Hi, and welcome to the Saturday, September 14th edition of the Land Grant Holy Land Tailgate Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Every Ohio State football game day this season, I will be kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest, whether you are watching the game at the shoe, road tripping to an away game, or enjoying it from the comforts of your own home. However, I will not be doing it all on my own, as every week we will be joined by 610 WTVN sports reporter the legendary Lori Schmidt for her unique insights into the game with a peek under the hat. Today, the now 6th ranked Ohio State Buckeyes will go on the road for the first time this season as they open up their Big Ten schedule against Tom Allen's Indiana Hoosiers at Memorial Stadium for a 12 noon Eastern Time kickoff. Today's game will be the featured slot on Fox, with Gus Johnson on the call, take it for what that's worth, Joel Klatt doing color commentary, and Jenny Taft on the sideline. As always, the game can be heard on both 97.1 FM and 1460 AM, where the voice of the Buckeyes' Paul Keels will be on the call, along with Ohio State and Redskins legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary, and Matt Andrews on the sideline reporting. The line at Bovada's Sportsbook opened with Ohio State as a 14-point favorite, but the spread has grown to 16 points as of recording time. Also, the over-under is currently listed at 60 points from Bovada. On Friday, head coach Ryan Day released the Buckeyes' depth chart and availability report, and despite appearing to have been somewhat of a full participant at practices this week, senior captain Jonathan Cooper will be out again. Likewise, fellow captain C.J. Saunders and sophomore defensive tackle Teron Vincent will be out for the third week in a row. Also out will be wide receiver Cameron Babb, defensive tackle Noah Donald, safety Owen Fankhauser, tight end Coromante Hamilton, safety Ronnie Hickman, and safety Jocelyn Went. There is no one designated as a game-time decision this week, which means that senior linebacker Justin Hilliard is available to play for the first time since suffering an Achilles injury during spring practice. Following an impressive showing for Tyreek Smith against Cincinnati, he is listed as the co-starter at defensive end along with Tyler Friday, opposite Chase Young. The temperature in Bloomington at kickoff will be 74 degrees, with mostly sunny skies. There does not appear to be any chance of rain throughout the duration of the game. The humidity will start around 50% and drop to close to 40% during the game. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds important. If you are listening to this now as you're trekking over to Bloomington, make sure that you're checking your navigation app because there was apparently some road construction on Friday that might hamper your travels if you're not already on your way to campus. Thus far in the 2019 season, the Hoosiers are 2-0 with a 34-24 win over Ball State in Week 1 and a 52-0 skunking of Eastern Illinois last week. However, there was news this week that starting quarterback redshirt freshman Michael Penix Jr. will be a game-time decision, so things could be substantively different for IU this week than they were in the first two games of the season. But after a short break, we will discuss that and much more with 610 WTVN's Lori Schmidt. All right, we are joined, as always, by the Mad Hatter of Columbus Sports Reporting, Laurie Schmidt. Happy that we're recording on Friday. Happy Friday, Lori. Well, thank you, Matt. I'm glad to be here, so not so mad right now. No, not right now. <laughs> and you're coming from Nationwide Arena, so it's hockey season. I know how much you love Columbus Blue Jacket hockey as well. I, I do. That's a good group of guys. Yeah. So let me ask a real quick question before we get into actual game stuff. I know you are at Ohio Stadium for every home game. You don't travel with the team, do you? No, I, I don't. Somebody's got to be back in the studio keeping people in line on those <laughs> days. So, 
I'm pushing buttons. You're pushing buttons. So you will be in studio watching the game there, manning the coverage from uh, from Columbus. Okay, that's good to know. So people will be able to uh, listen to you uh, or listen to 610's coverage pre and post game, which is the best Buckeye coverage around. Well, thank you. Although our pregame actually this week is on 105.7 The Brew. Oh, And okay. postgame then shifts to 610 WTVN. Can't keep up. Too many. Yeah, too, too many I know. So this game is interesting for a lot of reasons. One, it's the first road game for Ohio State this season. First Big Ten game for Ohio State this season. But despite the fact that Indiana has not been one of the preeminent favorites in the Big Ten for a long, long time. They always seem to play Ohio State fairly well, especially in recent years, and especially in the first half. Yeah, it's, it's one, we're kind of seeing a trend in the Big Ten this year where the teams that were the basement dwellers, the ones that were really struggling before, have taken strides, I think. And, and Indiana was taking strides in that direction even before this season, I would argue. And that's Absolutely. one reason that they have been so pesky when it comes to facing Ohio State. Two years ago, they were up at halftime. Last year, I believe it was 28-21 at half. And yet they ended up getting beaten fairly soundly in both games. Tom Allen made it a point to say this week that they know that they can compete because they have been competitive in the first half. And this year, their goal and expectation is to finish. So it is going to be really interesting to see an Ohio State team that has gone out in, in every game they've played this year, all two of them, I guess, after a really explosive start and see if they can do better against the Hoosiers in the first half than they have the past two years. Yeah, and, and what's so interesting about Ohio State coming into these games, this will be the third consecutive game against Indiana, as it will be for many Big Ten opponents, with a new starting quarterback. Similarly, we don't really know who is going to be starting for Indiana at quarterback this weekend because of an injury to Michael Penix Jr., and he may or may not play. What's the what's going on with their quarterback situation for this game? Tom Allen wouldn't say what the injury was, just that it's a short-term injury, not something that could keep Michael Penix Jr. out for a long period of time, but he is a game-time decision for tomorrow, uh, for today, I guess, for people who are listening to this Saturday. Yeah. So it's possible that instead we will see Peyton Ramsey, who threw for 322 yards and three touchdowns against the, the Buckeyes last, last year. year. Yeah. yeah, and interestingly enough, I, I find it really kind of cool, Matt, that Ohio State going into this season, what was one of their concerns? Depth at quarterback, right? But we're hearing, at least players are saying, and Coach Ryan Day is saying, that they've been getting really good looks on the scout team from the quarterback position. And this week, they even had a guy trying to simulate being left-handed, even though he's not a natural left-hander. Right, because Michael Penix Jr. is left-handed. Correct. Yeah. So they've, they've been doing some good work there and even going above and beyond um, specifically to help the defensive linemen remember which hand to raise when they get into the, the Indiana backfield, which is not going to be easy because those are some big bodies up front and they have yet to give up a sack this year. They've got uh, three seniors Indiana does on the offensive line and two of them are from Ohio. So going to be hard to, to get into the Indiana offensive backfield. But once they do, they've got to remember which hand to raise. And so Ohio State's scout team quarterback has been putting the ball into his other hand this week, trying to help those guys out. And then they might not even face the left-hander. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the fact that the offensive line for 
Indiana has not given up a sack yet this year. What's the the deal on that offensive line? What is making them stand out? Why are they such a formidable unit for the two teams that they faced already this year? Well, one, the two teams were Ball State and Eastern Illinois. That um, helps. That not, helps. Not, yeah, that, that <laughs> does help. Uh, they are big. They are somewhere in the neighborhood of 6'5", 328, I want to say, odd pounds up front. So they are some big bodies. Ever since Kevin Wilson was there, actually, Indiana's done pretty good with their offensive line scheme. And they've just continued that, even though they have a new offensive coordinator this year. And then it's helped that you've had Michael Penix in the the backfield, who is a a little bit of an athletic quarterback. So he's helped prevent them from, from registering any sacks yet this year. And like I said, three of them are seniors, so they do have experience up front. Uh, and two of those seniors from Ohio are from Ohio, which is kind of cool. And then they've got one of those seniors, Lee Stepniak, can bench press 515 pounds. Oh, okay. So Just, yeah, okay. they 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 do have an athletic freak up there, and that always helps. Yeah. And I think I, I noticed in something you put together, I mean, that is, we've heard so much about how Tommy Togiai in the preseason bench press competition, he would have actually rated as like the first or second guy at his position at the NFL Combine from last year. And he was 15 pounds beneath that. Yeah, but I think Ohio State, in their defense, emphasizes the, the doing the reps at 225 uh, as opposed to maxing out. Gotcha. Um, okay. So when I when I talked to Tommy, he wasn't even quite sure what his max bench press was, which is why I put it's about 500 pounds because he, he wasn't certain on that. It's been a while since they've maxed out. But yes, Tommy Togiai is one of the strongest Buckeyes, and he wasn't sure if he could get to 515 or not. So Lee Stepniak is a really muscular, athletic guy. Yeah. Well, you you mentioned the fact that one of the things leading to the lack of sacks for Indiana this season was the escapability and athleticism for Michael Penix Jr. And even though we might not be able to actually see him play in this game on Saturday, Ryan Day did have a lot of nice things to say about him, including the fact that he'd actually tried to recruit him for Ohio State a few years ago. Yeah, that's been part of the story. One of my other favorite parts of the story is, you know who Indiana didn't try to recruit? Um, I'm sh- Just tell me. Pete Warner. Oh. Indiana native Pete Warner. They went after him late, and that's one of the reasons that the Ohio State linebacker ended up a Buckeye is because they neglected to recruit him late. This is also the second week in a row that we've had an interesting recruiting story involving Pete Warner. So I'm very eager to see next week when they play the Miami Red Hawks, what his personal connection possibly could be to them. Uh, and if anybody can find it, Lori, I am, I am sure it's you. <laughs> um, okay. I do have a lot of fun digging into some of these details. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the details that I know, I could just hear you giggling while you're looking at some of these things uh, <laughs> in these notes. And you probably know what I'm going to talk about is the names. Yeah, the the name. Oh no, the name. I know you're a big fan of of names. So hit me with some of these names and nicknames uh, for the Indiana Hoosiers. Well, they've got a safety nickname monster because in Pee Wee football, he apparently knocked some quarterback's head off, uh, helmet off. Um, <laughs> Not head. That would so be a called... much different situation if he literally knocked a quarterback's head off. And probably a personal foul. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> targeted. Uh, yeah. He's yeah yeah he's nicknamed monster. Um, they have wide receiver and he's 
a really good wide receiver, Wap Felor, whose uh, nickname is Wap because of his love of Burger King Whopper Juniors. <laughs> oh, so it's the junior. you have that. It's a ju- it's a Whopper he, Junior as opposed to the regular full size Whopper. Oh, you know what? No, it's it's <laughs> okay. actual Whoppers. I'm the Whopper Junior fan. Okay, and I'm, I'm double Whopper, so that's fine. I, yeah. I go double Whopper. Yeah, my, see, my brother likes the the incredible Whopper they just came out with, which that's gross. But anyway, yeah, okay, that's good to know. The median between us then is Wop Feeler's favorite uh, sandwich, <laughs> the, the Whopper. Yeah, and uh, then of course you have Peyton Ramsey, the quarterback that we've already talked about, who is named after Peyton Manning. And has an older brother named Montana. They call him Tanner, but his name is Montana. He's named for Joe Montana. And his younger brother is named Drew, and he was named for Drew Bledsoe. So that's an entire family named after famous signal callers, which is something I might do, you know, with dogs, but I'm not sure I do with sons. But that family apparently had high expectations of their young boys, and they named them after Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, and Drew Bledsoe. And did they just not think Joe was a good enough name? They had to go with Montana for the last name while they went with first names Peyton and Drew for the other ones? Like, that seems kind of disrespectful to the Josephs around the world. Well, not only that, but they don't call him Montana. They call him Tanner. So I, you know, I don't I don't think I would meet this young man and necessarily think, oh, well, here's a guy named after Joe Montana. Yeah. Yeah. It's disappointing. I'm going to call a personal foul on the Ramsey parents on that one. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. so. There was one other thing you mentioned. Was it the, the a punter? Did I hear you say you enjoy this punter story too? Oh yes, I would enjoy Australian punters uh, to of begin course. with. Of course, but but this Australian punter has a little interesting wrinkle to him because he can kick it with his right or left foot. Now he's predominantly left footed. You will probably only see him kick left footed on Saturday. Um, but it is really cool to me that he is M, not ambidextrous, ambidextrous, I guess. I think that makes uh, sense, yeah. Because he can punt with either foot, and that's just an interesting wrinkle to me. What would be the usefulness of that? Is it like, hey, I'm getting chased, uh, you know, there's a guy in the, there's a bad snap, and there's rushers coming in, I have to roll out to the opposite side, and I have to kick with my other foot? like, Or is it just like a party trick? You know what? I have never personally run into a a punter who can kick <laughs> it with both feet. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So I don't know um, what scenario he finds this most useful in YouTube videos or actual on field <laughs> stuff. But uh, he apparently learned it for a reason, and I'm I'm wondering if this is something that comes from his Australian background. You know, many Could of be. these guys started in rugby i'm wondering if this is just something that carried over from maybe an old rugby kind of thing yeah that that makes sense that you know drew chrisman can flip water bottles and uh hayden whitehead can kick with both feet i wonder if because a lot of times punters and kickers wear different shoes on their kicking foot uh i wonder if he wears kicking shoes on both feet as opposed to wearing one on one specific foot uh we'll have to pay pay attention to that on the close-ups on saturday oh well Let's hope that Indiana doesn't have their punter in a close-up because <laughs> their punters have done fairly well, as have their, their kickers, as a matter of fact. Um, they are five for five on field goals this year, and four of those were from 40 yards or more out. 
And uh, one of them was from 50. Their long is from 50 this year. So they've got some very good special teams. So let's hope they don't earn a close-up on Saturday if you're a Buckeye fan. Well, I think I think Buckeye fans would probably prefer them kicking field goals and punting to scoring touchdowns. But I understand yeah. that hopefully nothing super uh, exciting happens for the Hoosiers that requires many close-ups for the special teams. But, Lori, thank you so much for uh, running through all this stuff. Um, uh, have a great time from the palatial 610 WTVN studios uh, watching the game. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. I really enjoyed talking to you. Don't forget to tune in to 105.7 for the best pregame Buckeye coverage on your radio dial. And then over to 610 for the postgame coverage, where, as we heard, Laurie Schmidt will be manning the board. Okay, we will be back with a look inside the numbers and with a prediction after this quick break. Ohio State owns a 74-12-5 all-time record against the boys from Bloomington. Their current 23-game winning streak is tied for the longest in the all-time series history. The two teams tied in 1990, and the Hoosiers won back-to-back games in 1987 and 88, the last time that IU took a victory from OSU. But coming into this week's game, Ohio State has a decided advantage in all measurements. Football Outsiders F-Plus has OSU ranked as the fourth best team in the country for week three, with IU at a pretty respectable 36th. The metric has the Buckeyes favored by 10.6 points, factoring in IU's supposed home field advantage, although generally there tends to be more scarlet and gray in Memorial Stadium than cream and crimson. Following their win over Cincinnati, Ohio State jumped from 7th in the SP Plus rankings from ESPN's Bill Connolly to 5th this week. IU comes in at 40th. Now, despite the advantages that the Buckeyes have over the Hoosiers, as we talked about with Lori Schmidt and as Colton Denning talked about on this week's Hangout in the Holy Land preview pod, Indiana always finds a way to cause problems for Ohio State, even if it's not for the entire duration of the game. So don't be surprised if they put up a fight. Coming into the Week 3 matchup, the Hoosiers don't really run the ball very much. They have only 64 rushing attempts through the first two games, while OSU has 92. Their leading rusher, Stevie Scott, has 109 yards on the ground this season, while the team has four receivers who have gained more than 100 yards thus far. The aforementioned WAP, Phil Yor, Donovan Hale, Peyton Hendershot, lots of guys named after quarterbacks on this team apparently, along with Nick Westbrook. On the defensive side of the ball, senior linebacker Raekwon Jones is the leader with 15 tackles. This week, Hoosier head coach Tom Allen talked about his defense's need to limit Justin Fields' ability to run the ball, but with all due respect to Coach Allen and IU, I just don't see Fields needing to take off that much this game. IU has only six total tackles for loss this season, and with the way that OSU's offensive line has been playing, I think that they can keep a mostly clean pocket for Fields, to work within today. So I predict another impressive effort for the sophomore quarterback going something in the neighborhood of 24 for 31 through the air for 275 passing yards, another 45 yards on the ground and five total scores. However, much like he did in his coming out party in 2017, running back J.K. Dobbins will also have an impressive day. I don't think that he will go for the 181 yards that he did during his first game as a true freshman, mainly because I don't think he'll need to necessarily in this contest, but I think he goes for 130 and a score, and I think Master Teague will get into the end zone for the first time as a Buckeye as well. In total, I'm going to go with a fairly optimistic 51-18, to with obviously a lot still depending on whether Penix Jr. or Ramsey starts at IU. 
As always, Land Grant Holy Land will have you covered before, during, and after the game. I will be manning the tweeter machine during the game, so let me know what you think going into the game, during the game, at LandGrant33. Also, find us on Facebook, at LandGrant Holy Land, where you can get all of your news, analysis, and sarcasm that you can only find from LGHL. I'm also on Twitter personally at BWWMATT as well. And if you are not already, please subscribe to Land Grant Holy Land's one-of-a-kind podcast network where we not only bring you unique news, interviews, and analysis, but we have Buckeye-focused perspectives unlike anyone else in the OSU podcasting universe. So, with all of that out of the way, there's only one thing left to say. Go Bucks! Go Bucks!